Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, and listen to what about the episode. If you have a particular request for a guest or topic that you want covered, we're always checking comments on YouTube and love to be able to take your guys' suggestions and then work them into future episodes. Today, I'm going to be joined by a listener. He messaged in and he had a really cool story about building his Duramax. And I wanted to chat with him more and more about the truck, the build, um, how he's done it. It's a really cool setup, so we know you guys are going to enjoy listening to it. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide discount code for you. So use code 23DIESEL20 at kershaw.kaiusa.com. It's a great way to save some money, get some cool gear, whether you need it for you know EDC or hunting, fishing, um, something to throw in a toolbox or, or have around the job site, around the house. They've got a ton of new models in 2023. The latest is the Duralock model, which has a really smooth opening mechanism. It's priced right, um, works well for, you know, having it in a pocket or, you know, a toolbox, something like that. The blade's made out of D2 steel, and there's a bunch of different designs. So if you're in the market, definitely make sure and head on over their website, check them out, and use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. All right, let's get to today's episode, chatting with Christian about his Duramax build and learning uh, about the setup and some challenges and, and things he overcame in building his dream truck. Christian, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I appreciate you reaching out to me and, and uh, sharing this really cool lml build which in all the episodes we've ever done on the podcast i don't think no, nobody's ever <laughs> nobody's ever been on with the exact setup that you got for uh, turbo transmission and everything so i look forward to chatting with you and, and learning more about the truck yeah i appreciate it patrick thanks for having me on tell me a bit about uh the lml like what uh, is it was it your first diesel truck was it um you know was it the, the first truck that kind of captured your attention or, or what's the history with it yeah, so growing up, my dad always had, he he had an LBZ, and then uh, I was probably about six at the time when he had the LBZ, and then he had about five LMLs after that, and he always, uh, everyone's going to disagree with me here, but he had really good luck with them. He probably put over a million miles on LMLs, mostly trouble-free, and I kind of just liked the body style, and you know I grew up around him, so that was what I wanted, and it was my first diesel truck coming out. I dropped out of college, oh, 20, end of 2018 early 2019 and uh mid middle of 2019 i bought the truck august was it then, uh that was there a particular color um you know like body like a crew cab extended cab yeah. um regular cab what, what what were you looking for when you're shopping for it um so my first truck was a gas uh 98 gas 2500 single cab and i knew i didn't want a single cab again <laughs> and then everybody had white or black so gray was kind of a color i always liked and thought i could do something with so i found a gray lml and that's where it all started when you just uh, a work truck yeah when you when you first had it using it for work did you keep it relatively stock or did you do you know like some some upgrades to it or, or what started the process of modifying the truck yeah so i started it just had some 20 by 12s nothing crazy and i it was a work truck and then I had some tie rod issues, just worn out. The truck had two hundred, almost two hundred thousand at the time, so I put 
went right to kryptonite did some upper control arms you know had them powder coated i was you know wanting to do a little bit of customization myself and uh some fox shocks and that was pretty much where it sat and stayed and then from there i just swapped wheels i had a different wheel set up every other week it seemed like at the time <laughs> did the uh when did the power you know come in when did you get bored with the stock power or what uh or maybe you had some friends that modified their trucks you're like well i gotta keep up with them or yeah. beat them or <laughs> yeah so actually a buddy of mine had a 6.4 with an s300 on it and uh i just i loved the way it sounded and i started looking into doing it on a duramax and realized it sounded you know fairly similar and that was i love the sound of a big single well i guess at the time it wasn't a big single it was just an s3 little s366 but uh that's that's the route I went and uh, backed it up with a 10 mil and left the stock injector, stock trans, 10 mil CP3 conversion. And that was where I started to get into racing. Um, I had the kryptonite front end. So, you know, my buddies raced. Uh, one of my buddies had a P-pump 24 valve and then another one of my buddies, uh, actually one bad VP44, TJ has his VP truck and he'd always come down and race with us and so that's kind of what got me into racing. Was it something where the first time you went out, you knew you were hooked on racing, like the first, yeah, the first pet? Yeah, <laughs> yep. There was there was no doubt in my mind. I've always been an adrenaline junkie through and through. You know, I ride between snowmobiles, dirt bikes, everything growing up. Um, but racing really, that really hooked me, and I started realizing that the LMLs did not like to shift when I had that S three hundred on. I was trying to race it, and that's. I think a lot of us, um, you know, when we get into diesel performance, it, it kind of starts like that. And then we start to, to race it. And it almost feels like the back of our minds, we're thinking, okay, how long is it going to last till I break something major? Mm -hmm. Like how long, how long were you able to do it until there was a, either a failure with the transmission or engine or turbo or, you know, whatever it might've been. Yeah. Um, I, I made it about 3000 miles, but I think half of those miles were either going down the track or doing burnouts. So <laughs> I probably had it coming. Um, and that setup is notorious for snapping cranks. The, it's the stock stock injectors are, and cranking the pulse with this. Just, that's the no-go. That's a recipe for snapping a crank. Educate me a bit on when the crank snaps because I, I haven't personally experienced it or haven't taken mm -hmm. um, a Duramax to that level. Is it catastrophic where it takes out the whole engine or is it something where like how in depth do you have to go to fix it um you know it really depends and you don't know until you get in there and it depends on how long you run it after it snaps mine snapped i actually went on a 500 mile trip with cruise control set and it was probably the longest i ever drove the thing nice and uh getting on the off ramp to go home after 500 miles of driving it nice hitting the brakes and it just it started knocking bad and uh I think everybody's seen the videos and heard that sound and pretty much knows right away it's either a crank or a piston with an LML, especially if your tuning is not, you know, tuning's a large part in it too. Um, when I tore mine down, there was no real cylinder wall damage. Pistons all look good. Rods look good. Um, that The front main bearings, it broke between the two and three, just like, you know, 90% of the Duramaxes do. And um those those main bearings were a little tore up, but other than that, everything else looked pretty good. What was the what was the next step after after the teardown and, and putting together a plan for building it back 
better, stronger, able to handle more power and, and racing. Yeah. I, uh, I found a compound kit, an S483 over an S369 kit for an LML for a really good deal and realized, you know, I kept pretty much the same, uh, Valley charger that I had before as a single. So I knew the drivability would be pretty good with that setup, but I wanted to back it with the injectors this time. And I did go with a built short block from DMX or DMX store, excuse me. Uh, they built the short block. It's just a cast piston, Molly cast pistons, uh, curl H beam rods and a Cali's, Cali's crank in it, girdle, main studs. Very cool. We just had them on the podcast talking about <laughs> common failures and fixes with, uh, with, mm-hmm. with Duramaxes. Um, and now as far as putting the fueling together, the turbo, the engine build, everything, was there a particular goal that you had in mind either for a power level, a quarter mile time, an eighth mile time? What, what were your goals with the build? Yeah. At, at that time, I wanted a truck that I could take to shows, take to meets, you know, race on the weekends, race with my buddies. Um, really, I wasn't looking for anything too crazy, you know, low 11s, maybe, maybe crack into the 10s. Um, and I wanted to be able to street drive it still. That was always the goal. And I wanted to drive it a lot at the time. And then the more I got into it, the more I realized it's just, well, I was also learning at the time, you know, I'm not a diesel mechanic by trade or anything. I'm, I'm, I got a roofing company and so it was uh, definitely a learning curve and a lot of mistakes and a lot of failure putting it together. And it, it did not turn into a street vehicle, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> what would you say are, are a handful of mistakes that you made that you would do differently again with the build? Um, you know, that's a hard question. I wouldn't say I'd do anything differently going back. I definitely enjoyed the process, but uh, definitely specking everything out to what you want beforehand and knowing what you want. Um, because I, I fought rail issues and, you know, going back and forth, different people know that 10 mil should be fine with the injectors turned down. It really wasn't, or, you know, the transmission will be fine and never shifted. Right. And stuff like that. Um, so definitely just picking a setup that is somebody else is familiar with that has experience. If you're doing it yourself, and going that route and following what somebody else has done that you know works. Because honestly, going back, the only different thing I would have done to keep it a street vehicle is I would have kept a VGT in the valley to keep the RPMs down because LMLs do not like to shift at higher RPMs. Was Were there companies or people or builds, like you mentioned, where people had sort of laid the, the groundwork for you know a setup that works? Who who either was a great mentor or somebody you could lean on or a great, um, mm-hmm. maybe another build out there that you really followed who helped you along the way. Yeah. Um, the guys from Dan's helped me a lot. You know, they're pretty local to me. They're about 35 minutes away and they're all friends of mine and they, they helped me with a lot of the stuff. And then some of the builds, there really wasn't any, you know, I really, I've always been one to want to do things differently from everybody else. And maybe that's kind of been my kryptonite why it's taken three and a half, four years to get a truck dialed in. But, uh, I, I don't know, I guess Jeremy, uh, his last name, I cannot remember. He's, he's got a S485 over a drop in on an LML 10 mil and 60% overs. And that truck runs low 11s all day long. And that's really, that was the setup I was shooting for is what he has in his truck now. With, um, with 
setting up a goal, <clears throat> I think, because it, it sounds like you're trying to do something that not many people had done. And I think when we get a truck, we, we you know, we kind of want to do things a little bit different, do it our own way, make it unique. Where, where did the inspiration come from or the idea of, I want to do it, you know, I want to go this fast? Um, was it, you know, to be one of the faster LMLs out there? Was it to mm-hmm. compete with another, like, a, a, you know, a Cummins or, or one, you know, uh, one of the power strokes out there? Or what was, what was yeah. the real driving force with that? Um, one of my buddies that lives about 40 minutes away and our friendships kind of build up, built on uh, talking smack to each other. He's got <laughs> a, he's had a handful of six fours and we, you know, always going back and forth. So I think that was kind of step one in it. And then, after I went 128 in the quarter, I realized I wanted to chase that nine second mark since nobody had done it yet. And I still don't think anyone's done it on an LMM or newer, as far as I'm aware. I know Dante is chasing nines as well. Um, he's, he should get theirs this year. Um, and honestly, if, if things work how they say they're going to work with this 48 swap, it shouldn't be an issue getting the nines, but you know, it's all hypothetical. No, I, as far as I'm aware, nobody's done the 48 conversion on an LMM or an LML or newer yet. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because I really wanted to chat with you about that as I've heard about them on the older Duramax trucks, but not an LML. Tell me about the, the, the reason for going with the 48 and then how difficult it's been to get it all to work electronically to get it fit in there, how the whole process has been of swapping it in. It has been a process to say the least. LMLs are too smart for their own good when it comes to making them do what you want them to do and trying to get by. So the the ECM is tied into the TCM and isolating that DMX swap is taking care of that with their standalone ECM. And then from there you lose your BCM. So you lose your headlights, taillights, all that stuff, Um, all your interior controls, everything you lose. So that's been wired by me over the past four months. And I would say I have well over 200 hours into it Um, and then when it actually came time to getting the trans in the cross member that uh, supports the rear of the trans is actually moved backwards on an LML an inch and a half which I found out when installing the trans Um, luckily I was able to make that work with some some uh, at-home fabrication with the adapter plates and and then uh, the front drive shaft does hit the rear cover adapter plate as well. So that took a little bit of grinding down. Then after that, it's just getting a couple of custom drive shafts made. And, you know, the trans, is, it's a full manual valve body. So that's on a ratchet shifter, keeps that nice and simple. And then the EC, ECM side is, well, that's to be determined in the next about week and a half here when that comes in. The electronic part really interests me because I think where would you go to find the resources to make all the lights work, everything like that? That seems like that would be a big challenge to do that. Yeah, yes, it has been. And I mean, a lot of them are just, you know, 12 volt power and ground, um, which kind of keeps it simple. And I did everything on relays under the hood, which I'm sure some, you can find some pictures on my Instagram or whatever of that. And that's been... That's been a process, but uh, where I've really ran into issues is like the front differential actuator. It's actually not switched with 12 volt power, it's switched with ground. 
Um, so that took a little bit of figuring out. And then like I had an auto transfer case out of a LOI in it and getting that to work has been a process. I just still think I'm going to end up going to a manual transfer case in the next week here. Um, other than that, everything else was pretty straightforward when it comes to that, other than the brake pedal sensor was a little tricky too. Uh, it's a five wire plug and trying to figure out, you know, which one's your on off switch when you hit the brake pedal. As far as the, the build itself, the, the 48RE, how did, um, was it one, did you go, oh, I'm sure you went with a full billet set up and, and all that stuff, but what, um, you know, like jumping into the 48RE world from being, you know, having an Allison being in the Duramax, what was the learning curve like with knowing, okay, what stall converter do I want? What kind of input yeah. shaft am I going to go with? All those, all those questions. Yeah. So I bought the transmission setup from Andrew Reitmeyer. It's a oversized input shaft, oversized output shaft, and then billet intermediate. And it's a Garand custom bolt together converter. It's actually an Allison based converter, um, which is something cool that they did. And other than that, it's, so I really didn't build much on it per se. Um, but I've had a lot of questions and pretty much I just call the guys at Maverick Diesels. They're good buddies of mine and uh, just annoy them whenever I need to figure something out. <laughs> Where's the build at right now? How close are you to having it wrapped up? Um, so I'm getting the cage in this weekend and then I'm not sure when DMAX swaps going to have the wiring harness and ECM back. And then once that's done, it's, I mean, it's real close drive shafts and drive shafts wild body started up and, hopefully get it out to the track probably the day before I leave for UCC. If I'm being honest, that's what it's looking like at this point. That's the goal then, is to make it to UCC. Yep. Yep. That is the goal is UCC. And I want to run the 6,000 to 7,200 pound class at UCC. With um, like with <clears throat> testing it, how much test time do you think you'll have to make sure, you know, everything's working the way you want, getting it set up? Is it going to be, <laughs> is it, it going to be pretty gonna close? It's going to be tight. <laughs> it's going to be tight. It's, you know, it's something that I'm used to. I pretty much every time I've set a deadline, it ends up getting done about a day or two before. And I keep telling myself I need to stop setting deadlines, but I, it's just, I don't know, there's something about the crunch time that's, I don't know if it's the thrill or what, but. I love that and setting the deadlines is what keeps me motivated, honestly, because it is a lot of labor. It's been between, you know, cause I'm working my day job and then going up my shops 30 minutes from my house and then going up there and work until, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night back home, waking up at six in the morning. It's, you know, pretty much five days a week of that. Have there been any points in this process where you've thought, man, maybe this isn't worth it, or maybe I should, get a different truck or platform and have this be my daily driver. Have there been those moments when it's just been tough to find motivation? Yes. Yes. There's been a lot of those days. The truck has been posted, I think once or twice for sale actually. And <laughs> I just can't bring myself to sell it. I'm, I just, I'm not a quitter, I guess. I don't, I really, once I set a goal, I have to achieve it no matter what. That's just how my mind works. And, uh, you know, it would have been a lot easier to go, take a single cab third gen and slap an S480 on it and some 300s and go, go run, you know, low sixes, but it's just not, not the route I want to go. I think that's, um, it's something that I find you know, talking about a build like this or some of the others that we've covered is 
the owner wants to do something unique because like you said it is i don't want to say it's easy but there's so many recipes to take a third gen 5.9 make that power run those times and it's it's definitely not with throwing a 48re in an lml and running the charger that you're running Mm -hmm. and getting everything to work so that the lights work and all that sort of stuff it's a it's a major undertaking but i bet when it's done and you look at it and you're probably gonna get a lot of people that ask questions that are interested Mm -hmm. and it's sort of blazing a trail with it yeah not just with the power and the times but then the upgrades you've done to it yeah exactly and we're not gonna be breaking any horsepower records for sure but uh it is fairly light and you know everybody else struggles with getting an allison to shift in an lml and i think if we can get around that and have it fuel properly still and not be pulling fuel out then nines will not be an issue and honestly once i get into the nines it's going to be all eighth mile racing from there and i'm just going to keep adding nitrous and seeing what it does i got three kits on it now um so we're going to hopefully have those at least enough testing to run those at UCC. And I know my class is pretty stacked. I know like Greg A is bringing the black quad cab and then Hunter Coffee, his truck made 2,200 at Firepunk. Pretty sure he's running that class. Zach Pennock's running that class. Um, yeah, there's a quite a few guys that are going to be making a lot more power than me running there. I think following the build is, is what's really cool too. So like as a, an outsider just looking in is being able to catalog it. And you mentioned starting a YouTube channel, which I wanted to share with you mm-hmm. about a little bit as well, because it, it's so helpful to be able to watch and see things and, and um, I think kind of get a glimpse behind the build itself. So what's it been like turning on a camera, talking about the truck, maybe showing things that you're building with it? How's that gone? Um, honestly, at first it was, it was kind of weird. And then once you kind of get used to talking in front of the camera, it becomes almost second nature. I mean, I've only posted like seven or six videos, I think. Um, honestly, they've gotten really good support. And it's just something that I do have been doing because I figured why not? You know, I'm doing it anyway. Might as well just record it and post it. And, you know, it's something that I enjoy. And a lot of the videos are more so just based around, you know, everyday progress on it. And then when there's events that come around, I go to a lot of the events and do kind of behind the scenes or whatever, you know, videos around the event. And a lot of guys don't do that in the comp scene. You know, there's a few out there. Um, Josh McCormick does a pretty good job of covering that, but there's not many guys that are doing it. So I think it helps to be able to reach, to reach people and, and see it in a different way than, than we used to like way way back when like forums were a thing is you could follow builds and there'd be pictures and things. But I think being able to capture things, you know, on video, especially with a unique build like this and some of the challenges you've overcome and the whole setup with it, it's it's really cool to just, you know, turn it on and and watch. And I know people when they're listening, they're going to think, well, I want to see, I want to see what his truck does. I want to see how he wraps up the build. I want to see what it does at UCC things like that. How can they find your YouTube channel? Um, it's wiki built if W I C K Y B U I L T. And then my socials are all based around that as well. They're all linked in the linked in all the videos in the description. Uh, so you can find me there. And then at UCC, I mean, come on, say hi. I've, you know, I always enjoy talking to people and I'll be in the pits. We'll be all set up. Uh, you know, kind of hard to miss the truck with the yellow powder coat and <laughs> <laughs> really stands out 
What other events do you plan on going to after UCC? Um, probably make it down to Shides and then Michiana is on the list. I, I probably stay pretty local to me around the Wisconsin area after that. Um, a lot of the events are pretty far out on the East Coast, but uh, Shides is one I want to make it to. And then Volga, Iowa, uh, Volga City Truck Cruise, that, that's an event we've gone to for four four years now, and that's an absolute blast. Uh, Michiana, we always been going to Michiana. That one's fun, too. Uh, hopefully do some dirt drags up at Michiana. And then the big one's Hub City in the fall. That one's in Wisconsin. Uh, there's a big payout for that one. Uh, it's over twenty grand, I believe, actually, for dirt drags and dyno. I was just thinking, so with this truck, it's going to be pretty much is it going to be one you're going to daily drive all the time or is it going to take like the place of this is going to be your competition truck something you race and you're going to get mm-hmm. a, another daily driver i was curious would you get another lml or, or what would be your plan with a with a daily um well i kind of i did cross to the dark side when it came to a daily i, I do have a 21 uh ram 3500 uh, cummins so <laughs> i did cross to the dark side on that one um but i will be this will be a competition truck and it's gonna go i don't know dyno events i don't i'm not big on the bracket racing um for me it's always been going as fast as you possibly can and honestly i don't think the truck's gonna be fast enough for 590 this year and then on top of that having to be consistent enough to compete with guys that you know it's the money excuse but i don't i don't you can't do a staging limit on an lml unless you go to a motec i don't have motec money (laughs) and um you can't do a dsp5 a true dsp5 on an lml to do a uh, staging limiter i could do a trans break but to me i'd rather just uh go out run as fast as i can you know shift and shift in that trans manually and um just see what see what i can do and have fun honestly that's the big thing for me is i learned i started you know way back started diving into the show scene side of things and i i realized i hated it and started i was like i'm just gonna do you know what i enjoy and uh i've had a lot more fun since that's an interesting point uh that that you made about finding what you enjoy because i think there can be a lot of Mm -hmm. be a lot of pressure to maybe that even you know we put on ourselves but it's it's to go Mm -hmm. out there and race and make the most power and it's something i've chatted about a little bit with some guests is the power levels have gotten so incredibly high and the cost to do it has gotten so incredibly high versus what it used to be. It's trying to find that spot where you know the everyday guy can go out there, do a build, have some fun with it. And yeah. you have to really enjoy it because look at all the work you've put into it and the time yeah. and the effort and, and overcoming things. You have to really enjoy it to, to go to those lengths. Yeah. This is now three years in a row. I've had the engine and transmission out. Um, so it's a lot of time, and a lot of dedication. And honestly, people don't realize, I guess, how much dedication it takes. Because up until two months ago, the truck was built in a one-car garage. You know, parts piled on top of parts. And, you know, there's a three-foot walkway around the truck. And that's all the room you got. And up until two months ago, when I finally jumped on a 40 by 30 shop with a buddy, um, that's, you know, that's where I built it. And... You know, I did the whole powder coat thing, powder coated, the truck's powder coated from front to back, cross members, you know, torsion bars, torsion keys, 
dust pan, or dust shields. You know, everything's powdered on the truck. And I had a set of 2414 American Forces with custom powdered. And I started going into the show scene. And I realized pretty quick it just wasn't the scene that I enjoyed being around. It wasn't the people I enjoyed being around. And the more I got into the performance side and the competition side, started making some really, really good friends. Um, and I've, I've loved every second of it since. Who is really... I think a lot of it... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I think a lot of it honestly comes from be, well, being able to stay dedicated wise comes from not doing it as a day job. And I think that's been talked about a few times on here. Um, I mean, some guys are able to you know, work on the trucks all day, every day, and then still build their own. But uh, you see a, a lot of guys that once they start a shop, they kind of stop tinkering with their own stuff. Cause it, it honestly, it just feels like you're at work still. And that's something that I've always tried to avoid. Yeah, I think the balance with it is really key because you made a good point with when you have a shop, you've got customers, you've got to get their trucks out, and it's hard to find time to work on mm -hmm. your race truck or project um, truck that you're building. So I think um, just finding something that you really enjoy and then the patience, which is so tough, but something like what you're putting together, you got to have some patience with it, figuring out all these all these things and get it together. But I, I appreciate you reaching out to us and sharing this build. It was really unique. Once you mentioned 48 RE and the, the, you know, the turbo setup and everything you were doing, I was like, well, we got to chat about, <laughs> we got to chat about this, yeah. this, this yeah, LML. It's uh it, it's cool. So where can people find you on like Instagram, social media, um, TikTok, any place that you post videos, yeah. um, truck um, pictures? So my Instagram is wiki underscore CW. And then my uh, TikTok is wikis dot alt W I C K Y S dot ALT. Um, that was my backup account. I actually deleted my first account. Well, that was, that was kind of when I was going through hating the show scene side. And so that's, that's where it's at now. Very cool. Well, keep us updated on it. Let us know, uh, you know, how it, uh, how it does. If, when you get in the nines, let us know so we can do a podcast yep. about Nellamel and the nines. We chatted with uh, Dante not long ago about yep. doing it with his LMM have, and stuff. So yeah, we have yeah. a real similar setup, um, Aaron feel wise. Yeah, the Duramaxes are coming on strong. So I appreciate you reaching out to us. Yep, no us. Good luck wrapping it up and, uh, yep, and at UCC. You, yep. All right. See you later. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. It's a great way to save some money and get some really cool gear, whether you need it for hunting, fishing, EDC, something to uh, use around the house or job site. They've got a bunch of new models for 2023. The latest are the Duralock models, which the blade is made out of D2 steel, and the opening mechanism super smooth on it. keeps your fingers away from the, the blade when you open and close it. And they got some really cool designs as well, and it's priced. It's definitely priced right. So uh, if you need something that uh, you, you, that you need to work hard, um, something to you know carry every day, definitely check those out. Also, there are the releases this year and we appreciate them offering that discount code just for diesel podcast listeners also want to give a shout out to some of our patreon supporters tyler lowen at 23 diesel um, jay cole john all of our other patreons all of you who subscribe on youtube podcast apps or on our discord follow us on social media we appreciate all your support throughout the years and look forward to bringing you more of the content that you want to hear in 2023 until next time keep the shiny side up